how we feel our, our attitudes and, and invite us into a deeper place. I, I, I want to celebrate um, what they do. I also wanted to celebrate um, for Jeff and Melanie Matheny, who are members here at, at Mount Pleasant, are right now, I believe, in Zimbabwe. Um, last week, they told me that they were watching us live from Zimbabwe. So we want to, I'm not sure if they're there now, but we want to celebrate their mission. They're doing a mission trip on behalf of the church. And we just hope that, uh, that in their time that they're being blessed, that they're being protected and, and achieving great things. This is a season of harvest, and this is a time when we kind of look at all the activities that we're doing. And harvest is a time where the seeds that were planted in another season are now bearing fruit. And through, through the scriptures, there's always this, this idea that what you, you, you can only reap what you sow. You, right? I mean, it makes sense. And yet somehow, spiritually, that never quite seems to get through to us. We just assume that life will always be abundant and fruitful. And, and God is always asking, but are you, are you sowing? And, and so we as a church have been asking, what kind of church is this? What kind of community is this? What kind of community, what kind of faith community uh, are we building here? Uh, what is it that you see when you, you look at, at Mount Pleasant? And where do, we, where do we want it to be? Because we are able to plant the seeds that will bear fruit in time, especially on this Sunday, which is All Saints Sunday. We recognize that all that we have, everything that we have been given, has been handed to us by another generation that has sacrificed in order for us to be here. And, and the challenge then for us is to ask, what will we be for the future generations? And my challenge is that sometimes we can fall into, into just habits, right? We can just get into these habits where we just show up on a Sunday morning, we just kind of go through the motions, and we say, yes, but we are the church because that's what we do. That's where we go. It's not an attitude that permeates who you are. But I believe that for all of us, we want to be something different. We want to be what I'm calling an uncommon church. I don't know what your experience is, but you know, I've been in, in churches, and I think we all have, um, where you can see that they're kind of falling apart. They're falling on hard times. So there's a time in our history, in, in the United Methodist Church, where we were building and we were growing at such a rate that it was estimated that almost 50 churches were started every week in the mid-1800s. There was a fire, there was an enthusiasm, we were changing the culture, we were changing the way people saw faith as it related to life. Well, those tables have kind of flipped now, and we are in a phase now where most churches are now closing at a greater rate than they are opening. We are closing more churches every week. And so I wanted us to think about what did that really mean? What does that really mean for us? And specifically, this morning, I wanted to ask you a simple question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I know that some of you are retired, and you might say, but that time has passed, and I disagree with that. What, what do you want to do with the time that you have been given? Where do you see your life going? If I were to ask most people, and I were to ask, what do you want to be? Ask the little kids. They would say something, you know, out of the ordinary. They might say, well, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a fireman, I want to be an astronaut. But as time goes on and pressures build, they kind of narrow that down. And their ideas, their idea of what's possible kind of gets narrowed down. If I were to ask you and just try to introduce 
you would probably tell me what you do for a living. Who you are, your identity, what you see about yourself, your, your self-reflection is really about what you do, uh, what you do now for a living. And, and sometimes when I say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what are you pursuing? What, what is that, that thing for which God has placed in your heart? What is that passion? Sometimes that passion has faded away. And in order to drive that home, I found a video about kids that are talking about what they want to be when they grow up. Would you just show that, bring the lights down and show the, the video? When I grow up, I'm going to blame others for my problems. When I grow up, I'm going to lower my standards. When I grow up, I'll be shallow and superficial. When I grow up, I'm going to be self-absorbed. When I grow up, I'm going to spend money that I don't have. When I grow up, I'm going to be the black sheep of the family. That Uncle Noam talks about. I'm going to chase kids out of my yard. I'm going to be laxadaisical. When I grow up, I'm going to have bad habits. A bad reputation. Be utterly repulsive. When I grow up, I'll always have an excuse. When I grow up, I'm going to go to like this no tomorrow. When I grow up, I'm going to be a poor role model. I'm going to cut in front of senior citizens. When I grow up, I'm going to sell Hannah Montana tickets at 10 times based by you. When I grow up, I'm going to complain about everything. Complain about everything. Complain about everything and do nothing about it. When I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, I'm going to be average. I'm going to be average. When I grow up, I'm going to be average. <laughs> what do you think? Do you want your kids to be average? Are, are you average? Or are you uncommon? Do you, do you go by a higher standard? Do they follow our example? You know, the contrast of seeing kids talk about what they see in, in the rest of us is kind of a shock. We as a church are not called to be average. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. And it comes from the word that means to be called out of. You're called out of this world that is superficial, that is dominated by power and by gossip. We're called out to live differently by a different set of values. We're called to be a different, a, a light. God called us out of that world in order to be a model, saying it can be different. There can be a community that lives by different values that is above average, that is different, that is uncommon. But the challenge for all of us is whether we're willing to commit to that kind of lifestyle or whether we're so part of the story of the world in which we live, we find it hard to break away. We invite you to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself, a, a world that lives by different values so that you say, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I know who I want to emulate. See, in our world, we are always surrounded by churches that are in decline. We, we know what that's like. You, you know that. We've talked about this in the past, that we're closing more churches today than at any other time. And I look at this image and I think, you know, here's a perfect image of, of a beautiful little country church. And I, I imagine that in its day, it was painted beautifully.
beautifully white against the blue background. People were drawn there to worship and to, to elevate light. This is, this is where marriages took place. This is where people came to grieve the loss of loved ones to do life together. So what happened? Well, over time, they just went through the motions. They just went through the habits and, and slowly their faith became just part of the background noises. They, they stopped feeding their faith because one thing that I've learned over the years is that if faith is not fed, it fades. If it's not constantly nourished, if it's, if it's kind of that flame, if it's not given oxygen to breathe and fuel that fires its passions, it will slowly go out. And I imagine that in a church like this, eventually, it just became average. It was like all the other ones. It was doing what everybody else did. But eventually it got into a siege mentality of saying, we've got to hunker down and we've got to protect what we've got against the ravages of the culture that is around us. Is that what led to its decline? Uh, perhaps. But the difference between a thriving church and a dying church is not the lack of money or the lack of facilities or the talent that is in the congregation. It is simply a lack of will. A desire to be different, to live differently, to live above the line, to do more than what people have anticipated. People already have in our culture, they already have an idea of what churches are like. They have a mentality from the media of what we're like. And sometimes we have to live beyond that. We have to help people believe that there really is a possibility of being an uncommon church. So the question for us today is, are, you going, are we as a church going to choose to grow up? Is it time for us to grow up? Do you ever have somebody come to you, especially when you're a little kid, and they said, you know, man, you're growing up. That, that sounds great. But when you're middle-aged and somebody says, you want to grow up, it isn't always a compliment. As we gather as a body of Christ, as we think about the future of our church and what we're going to do as a community, do we need to grow up? Do we need to, if you don't mind, do we need to put on our big boy pants and be the church that we claim to be? Now, in case you're wondering and just saying, well, maybe this is just that time, you know, uh, we're in stewardship campaign and this is just that twisting the arm campaign, this, that's not the truth. We're inviting you to be a part of the future of the church by making a commitment to the church. Now, if you're visiting with us, you do not need to make any covenant with us. These are for the members only. If you're afraid of giving, then please do not give. Please do not participate. I want you to give that you're joyful and you're excited. But the Apostle Paul, this story goes all the way back to the Apostle Paul. Paul started a church in Corinth. And eventually, um, over the years, Corinth was in a very uh, metropolitan kind of area. It's in the cross of, of trade, and so there were a lot of people from different areas. And eventually, their church began to mimic the culture that was around them. They stopped being countercultural. They stopped being the church. And so Paul was trying to draw them back to their roots because he recognized that if they didn't feed the roots... They were not going to grow very tall. They were always going to be spindly and sickly and, and never really live out their calling. 
By the same token, he recognized that if they didn't give joyfully of what they had, the roots would not go very deep. And so he's always calling them to go deep and to go high. This is the two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You can't put down deep roots if you don't have, if you're not flourishing above. And you can't flourish above if you don't put down deep roots. This is always the dichotomy that exists between faith and works. They're two sides of the same coin. You can't have great faith if you don't put it into action. And if you don't put it into action, you can't have great faith. The two go hand in hand. And so when we talk about whether we're choosing to grow up, it's about putting down the roots so that we can flourish in the life that we've been given. I wanted to read you a passage from 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and inviting them to go back to their foundations, to go back to their roots. And I want you to listen to how he appeals to them, not just because of what God has done for them, but that, that what God has done for them allows them to be generous and give generously to the people that are around them. Paul writes the following. He says, God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and bread for food. He's making the connection that all that we have comes from God. He will give you all the seed that you need and make it grow so that there will be a great harvest from your goodness. He will make you rich in every way so that you can always give freely. And your giving through us will cause many people to give thanks to God. This service you do not only helps the needs of God's people, it also brings many more thanks to God. It is proof of your faith. Now many people will praise God because you obey the good news of Christ, the gospel that you say you believe. And because you freely share with them and with all others. And when they pray, they will wish that they could be with you because of the great grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, if you listen to the way Paul is appealing to a church that is struggling with this difference between the ecclesia, the called out ones, and the common average church, he invites them to look, first of all, at, whoops, there we go, at an uncommon experience. He says, first of all, have you had an uncommon experience with Christ? He appeals to them, he said, all that you have and all that you will ever have is a gift from God. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells his disciples, he said, why is it that you are storing up for yourself stuff that you very well know is going to fade away or you're going to give it to somebody else? It really doesn't matter in the long run. And why are you not storing up for yourself stuff in the kingdom? He said, does it make sense? Have we forgot our first love? Have you had that experience with Jesus that is so profound, so personal, and so intimate that it makes you uncommon? There's just something about that relationship that is personal and intimate. How you are loved will always impact how you live. Do you know people that are very competitive? Do you work with people that are very competitive? Always got to be at the ball games, right? And, and I, some of you know, 
that, that uh, sometimes I referee soccer games, and so sometimes I hear people that are really competitive. And whenever you hear people that are very competitive, it is often because they're trying to fill a void in their life. Why are you so animated about trying to win a high school game? Why is it so important? Not only that you want to win, that's a, that's a good thing, but why are you taking it to the extreme and yelling the obscenities? What is it that is lacking in your life that you're trying to, to fill? I have to live, I have to compete, I have to be in this game in order to have meaning to my life. It's because there's something that has been missing that has been lacking in other areas. Have you had an experience with Christ when you come to church and we partake of Holy Communion, it is God looking to you saying, I loved you this much. No matter what has gone on, I love you and I'm ready to begin again. It is that time where you allow the presence of God to just wash over you. As you sit here today, you should be able to just close your eyes and feel the love of God just wash and radiate over you. Say, I need to be filled. I need to just bask in the glow of that radiant love. Because during the week, you're going to be bombarded with emails of saying, do this, do that, do it better, run faster, jump higher. Whatever you need to do. But for this one hour, it gives you an opportunity to say, God loves me no matter what. Have you had that personal experience? Now, why do I do this other than this is what I do? It's because I tend to like myself just better the more that I'm around Jesus. I just think that being around in his presence and, and looking and, and understanding his life, how he struggled with the, the people that he lived with and yet showed grace to everyone, just inherently makes us a better person. What do I want to be when I grow up? I want to imitate Jesus more. I'm not there. Don't laugh. I'm, I'm getting there. But we're doing better. We've had an experience that says, this is who I am. And this is what I want. The second thing that Paul does is he invites them into a bigger story. He said, now you re remember that what you do has an impact on everybody else around you. How you share, how you speak, the things that make you laugh have an impact on everyone else around you. He reminds us of an uncommon life. You are not living just an average existence. You are an uncommon because there's more to life than where you are now. Most of us have settled for lesser gods. Most of us worship lesser gods. We, we worship our bank account. We probably pay more attention to our bank account than we do to our friends and neighbors that are around us. We pay more attention to our careers, whether we're going to get that next promotion, what is necessary, than we do to offer someone a cup of water. We're part of some bigger story. We recognize that there's more, that, that God is using us in this place and at this time to set a leadership role in our community. And for those that are around us, when we come, one of the things that I'm constantly hearing about are the number of kids that are under our umbrella. You have a leadership role in this 
community to make a difference. Because the last thing I want to do is see any of the kids that are here say, I'm just average, just like the kids up here. I'm superficial and shallow. You know, my life will be dominated by what I can do on the, on the ball field or what grades I can bring home. What we know as adults is those values will not last. They do not give a, a happy life. We, we have different values. Our values are those of compassion and kindness and respect, but also of courage to be able to say no to some things and yes to others. It is about living an uncommon life. An uncommon life is the life of a disciple. Now, by virtue of being here, by virtue of being a member here, being an active member, you are a disciple. You have heard a call. And you notice what Jesus always does when he calls his disciples? How does he call his disciples? Come, follow me. I never remember once in the scriptures where Jesus ever said, hey, stay right where you are. Just plop right down. I'm going to be going around and I'll try and check on you the next time I'm through. If you're going to come with me, you've got to go. It's time to go. It's time to be a part of something bigger than yourself. It's time to leave your pew. It's time to leave your comfort zone. To stand up and take a stand and say, this is who I am. It's not what it used to be. This is why it's so hard. This is why you're going to need support. It's about moving from where you are into that bigger story. In order to help you with this, Following this service, I'm going to post on our Facebook page a fabulous talk, TED Talk, if you know what TED Talks are, uh, about changing your story, about believing that you have a bigger story, and I want you to, to watch that. What, what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians is he's saying that it is proof of your faith that you are part of something bigger, giving up what you can't keep in order to be a part of something bigger. Investing your seeds in something bigger that we can transform. That's what we hope, is that we can begin a transformation. That people can believe in our time where Republicans and Democrats are battling, where we seem to be more at war with one another, there can be a place where we can say, these are my brothers and sisters. And together we are united by one cause, and we call ourselves the body of Christ. I believe that we're called to a bigger life. But Paul says, if you want to do that, if you want to go deeper, then you have to begin to bear fruit. And he talks about uncommon generosity. Love begins when the needs of someone else become more important than your own. When what you say and what you profess, you actually put into practice. Paul says, when you start living out the gospel, which he says, you say you believe, you start living in such a way that you begin finding opportunities to serve and to give yourself to what Jesus is doing. One of the things that I think makes the church a wonderful place is where we can work with one another. We can roll up our sleeves with one another and we can make a difference. We can learn to be selfless. The alternative is, like if you remember the video, you can be a narcissist. It's all about me. And that's the world in which we live. I remember years ago seeing a bumper sticker. The one with the most toys at the end wins. Do you believe that? 
Maybe not, but do you live like that? Is that the way you live your life? Or are you learning to give away in order to gain what you, you can never lose? See, I like being the creator of new life. I remember in that musical, Hello, Dolly, at the very end, Dolly says, Money, pardon expression, is like manure. It isn't worth a thing until it's spread around helping young things grow. Through your generosity and through what we do by serving and giving and caring as one body, we can help people grow and change their lives and believe that they can be different people. Through your gifts, other people will come to know who God is. And I love the way he ends his passage in 2 Corinthians. He said, and you know what will happen? When those people begin to pray, when they begin to pray, they'll pray that they were like you. What would it be like for somebody to pray that they're like you? I love these people. They've learned the lesson of generosity and of faith and of growth together because they've had an uncommon experience. They know Jesus. They, they learn about him every week and they, they struggle each week to put into practice the things that he teaches. And then they learn about sometimes that they didn't quite get there and, and sometimes they had wonderful moments of intimacy. And, and then they learn how they can become a, a bigger life, that there are stories about better things, things that are happening and opening up for them, that God has better plans. And then they can also learn about uncommon generosity, how they have gifts and talents and opportunities to roll up their sleeve and see that their life is making a difference in other people. Do you believe that you can be an uncommon church? Do you believe that it is possible for us to rise up and to live out our creed? Because the last thing I want to do is I don't want us to be an average church. Because an average church does not have a long lifespan. And our message is too powerful and too, too important to just go through the motions. This morning you had an opportunity to come up for the sacrament of Holy Communion. Communion is an opportunity for you to hear God say one more time, I love you this much. How much? This is my body, which is broken for you. This is the blood, my blood of the new covenant to allow you to become part of the new community. So let me ask you that final question. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want people to say about us when we have completed our journey and when we rest from our labors? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for every good gift comes from above. We thank you for this time and we pray, Father, that you continue to challenge us to be so much more, to be the true church that you have created, that you're willing to die for, that you gave your very son, that we might enter into something beyond our understanding. Help us now to let loose and to receive and to change. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.